here's where you have to know how to drop your golf ball. Sure speeds up play when you have those drop areas. Fowler has dropped the ball twice. The Shambo is going to get a free drop. Something bad has happened if we end up here. This is the drop zone. Welcome in, folks. This is Sean Zock, your favorite Scottish host of the drop zone. Dylan is at least eight time zones away from me, I believe, in Seattle. I think exactly eight time zones away, Sean. And you're probably somewhere in between, though I know we do have fans in France and in Germany, which I believe is another time zone east of me. Welcome in, folks. Uh, It's like mid-weekend here. The final round of the Live Golf Portland event's happening right now. I think that tells you one thing, is that Dylan and I aren't too keen about who really wins the thing. There's a lot more important news that kind of happened during the week that like, hey, Whoever wins the John Deere Classic, not that important to us right now. Whoever wins the live event, not ultimately that important to us right now. Um, so yeah, we're going to get into all of that. But first, Mr. DeChair, tell us about your friends in Seattle. Well, Sean, I'm glad you asked. And uh, who you're referring to is Radmore Golf, the presenting sponsor of the Drop Zone and the best golf apparel company in the world, Sean, uh, you know, there's been a lot of a lot of discussion about, you know, the greater good in the golf world these days. And I'll tell you what we can all agree on is that microplastics in your golf clothing, not good, not good for anyone. Um, look, if you if you take your typical polyester crap and you bury it underground and then you dig it up in about 50 years, that shirt might look about the same, Sean. It's not going to break down at all because... The stuff that you're using, it's not natural. Golf is this beautiful, natural game. If you want to wear beautiful, natural clothing to go with it, you should just head over to radmoregolf.com. That's R-A-D-M-O-R golf.com. Use code DROPZONE for 25% off at checkout. Sean, I was wearing my fresh Radmore gear all around town in Portland and the greater area. Last week, everyone was loving it. They were saying, do you have a, a... discount code for that clothing and i said yes i do i know someone who used a discount code recently a friend of mine sent me a photo of himself his name is eric wearing a drop zone hoodie so folks like i know you are the avid listeners that you are you have gone out and you've purchased this gear let us know about it if you want a shout out send us a photo of you wearing the gear and uh well you'll get a shout out on the podcast you'll warm our hearts You'll make our sponsorship <laughs> even more valuable. That's right. And uh, this will still be your favorite podcast. So, Dill, let's talk. There are, <laughs> yeah, yeah. There are not too many podcasts that have hosts that have gone to the London Live event and the Portland Live event, except for this one. That's right. Uh, I live in Seattle. I drove down. I was there uh, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Uh, did not stay for the golf itself because it really felt like the more important stuff you're was boycotting happening. Boycotting it, aren't up. you? Well, look, I wouldn't say I'm boycotting it. I would say I went down there to give uh, what I what I attempted to be a very fair portrayal of what I found on the ground, and uh, I'm excited to just kind of talk about that a little bit because yeah, you're sniffing around a little bit. I was sniffing around. I was trying to figure out the future of professional golf. Um, and I think that, look, this thing has gotten political. It's gotten divisive. It was always going to get divisive. And I guess everything inevitably now is uh, is partisan, which is weird to me. But yes, this tournament definitely fell under that category. There seems to be a divide 
among people that um people that are very eager to say look i just don't really care about any of the rest of this i want to watch these entertaining good golfers play golf and uh people that would be more sympathetic to say the uh families of 9-11 victims who were protesting on thursday morning down the street from the event so yes this thing has gotten charged uh my goal was to check it out from on the ground take the temperature of the people involved and i would say the temperature i found was um was quite warm quite the people are quite happy the golfers are uh they're in a real honeymoon phase here and it's a honeymoon phase combined with like an us against the world mentality yeah so they're all in it together they're kind of yucking it up they're a little bit they're a little bit punch drunk off signing um off getting that direct deposit tens of millions of dollars in their bank account and um so it was a pretty interesting scene because of that they've got community now you know i think back to when i was in high school and i like got in trouble for anything and there was one time when me and three friends got called into the principal's office and it felt like i kind of had the scorn of you know the administration a little more focused on me and then there was another time when i got in a lot more trouble and I was in trouble among a group of like 15 other guys or something like that. A dozen other, mm. a dozen other like idiot freshmen. And it didn't feel like uh, all the pressure was on me as much. And so I know this is a weird analogy, but that's kind of what is happening at Live Golf every single time that more people commit. Like the scorn that they are receiving from fans or from social media, from, um, from questions by the media. Uh, yeah, from Jay Monahan. Like the scorn is not as directed on them as it was when Phil Mickelson took the stage in early June. And uh every single press conference that goes on, it gets a bit easier and easier for them to be comfortable with this decision and to just mm-hmm. go back to what they want to do. We wanna play golf. And so I can only anticipate that moving in the same direction even more the weeks that come. And I would say this is all kind of what normalization is about, right? For sure. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So it was interesting. There were press conferences on Tuesday and Wednesday and I was at, uh, each of those and Tuesday, there was one that was extremely combative. Um, it was Brooks (laughs) Kepka against the world, Pat Perez getting a little bit, uh, confrontational, I guess, with a couple of reporters, uh, Patrick Reed was the third guy in their press conference. First of all, I will say the three guys <laughs> in a press conference is an absolute winner. That like, is a just boy this, band of no there's, f- given. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Reed Perez Kepka. I mean, it, it's definitely, there are some interesting alliances that have formed here. Um, but the three guys at once is a, that's a winning combination. First of all, that's by um, design, as you know, like that is 100% yes. a live golf motive. Hey, as much as you guys want to talk to Brooks for a full half an hour, here's Patrick and here's Pat. And they're going to, yeah. they're going to ruin that little like desire that you have. That's how it's working. Well, and they're going to, they're going to kind of feed off each other too. Perez and Kepka were definitely getting each other fired up, whether or not that was <laughs> the specific intention or not. Um, but that was a, that was a charged press conference filled with sort of, I wouldn't even necessarily call them difficult questions. I would call them obvious questions that, uh, they responded a certain way to, but then there was a presser the next day with Martin Keimer, 
Lee Westwood and Sergio Garcia. And I would say that that one felt just pretty cordial. Like the reporters asked questions that they, they felt like they needed answers to. Those guys had prepared with pretty limited answers, uh, took some shots at the European tour. <laughs> um, but for the most part, it was relatively civil. They just didn't really give much. And I just had the feeling, okay, this is the beginning of this thing just existing. You know, this is um, this is going to succeed or fail on the merits of it as entertainment value. And uh, well, at least more so than on moral grounds. That was my sure. takeaway. Yeah. Did you learn anything though? Like in the, did you, did you, were you surprised by any of that? I think like when I was at London, I was, I was extremely surprised at like how Phil Mickelson acted, but you know, mm. watching from, from afar, I was not surprised at Brooks, you know, the combative nature is just a, a continuation from what he was doing at Brookline. So I guess I was wondering if there was a surprise in any of it. I was surprised by, uh, I mean, his last answer, uh, to, uh, Adam from golf week was, it was just like really aggressive. Um, so yeah, I mean, I was, I was surprised that he dialed it up to 11 when I felt like he, I just didn't necessarily expect that he would. I thought it might be all good, happy to chat, you know, whatever, brush off a couple awkward questions, but like now he's here, he's in the nest, he's in the safe space. Thanks chief. Yeah. The thanks chief did not hit that tone. Um, and I, I tried to talk to him on uh, Wednesday to kind of just ask him what that was all about. And uh, I guess his quote was like, nah, man, I'm good. And uh, then kind of walked away on the range. So um, I tried to get some follow up. He was not interested in having that conversation. Um, I would say that that's, he was not interested in chatting. Phil Mickelson was not interested in chatting. Uh, most other guys were pretty willing to have the discussion. Um, you know, spent some time with Matthew Wolf, with Bryson DeChambeau, with Abraham Answer. Uh, Answer in particular seemed kind of torn up by by this entire decision. I think that his first instinct was to not get involved, um, and then the negotiation itself happened pretty quickly. That's definitely a theme too. Some of these guys, it's like they the saudis seem to put in place this artificial window of like you know you should this offer will not be good forever Mm -hmm. um and i think with abe it's a situation where he's in business he's already in business with a few different companies and you know he talks to advisors at those companies and you know i think ultimately guys are just seeing the dollar signs and saying look that's this is how you're maximizing value go for it that's what it seems like. Uh, that's where it seems like these guys are all arriving. It it seems like the backlash and uh, moral considerations are a factor for some guys more than others. But obviously, everyone that was there in Portland has uh, figured out where they fall on um, on that as a priority. Yeah, and it's really not a game of tug of war as much as I thought it might become. Like during Brookline. Uh, when questions about 9-11, the Saudi Arabian connection to 9-11, when that started to hit, I just kind of figured that wasn't going to go away. And I don't think it will. But that kind of, 
I kind of assumed that that would become a real part of this uh, discussion and, and really dominate the discussion. And it's not to say that that's been drowned out. It's just, I think that there's not as many people that are as comfortable drawing a really direct connection. And yeah, I guess what I'm saying is like, this thing is becoming rather normalized. There's another event Mm -hmm. very shortly at the end of this month. Now we've got the Scottish open, the open championship, uh, I think another week and then live golf, New York, New Jersey, Bedminster. So like this Portland to me has felt like momentum, you know, live golf. Mm -hmm. London was, we're going to make sure that we get from A to B, we pull this thing off. You know, we have a successful event. Greg Norman was extremely quiet at the beginning of that week. He started to get a little bit more visible towards the end of the week. He becomes extremely visible up on the podium, you know, fist pumping and yada, yada at the end of the week. Then, of course, goes a little bit of quiet. But then in Portland, he's extremely visible, right? He's yeah. starting to he's starting to chirp Jay Monahan on social media. Visible, he's, although not doing press, notably, I would say, Sean. Yeah, not doing press, but that has also been, I think, a bit of a a bit of a design thing. Like I don't think Liv Golf sure. really wants him out there right now. He's stumbled in front of the press in various moments. And, you know, according to Greg Norman, he wants to take a step back and let the players in the golf take a step forward. Um yeah, it felt like London they were figuring out as they go and now it felt like Portland is is a a true bit of momentum um yeah to where yeah, look, they changed their mind. They are now moving forward with 14 events next year instead of 10 events. That's that's a bigger deal I think than than people give it credit for. Why? Because they initially set out eight events this year, 10 events next year, 14 events, and the actual league with solidified teams and players in 2024. It has taken one month, two events, and they've already eliminated those like 10 middle events in 23, yep. moved up the league. They say, we're going to have 48 contracted players. And so for the people that are like following along and, and occasionally jumping into this news cycle, like Liv has, I don't know. 20 between like 22 and 26 like contracted players people who have signed on the dotted line and it's basically half of the field half the portland field is contracted yeah and so they are they are committed to live golf for this year for next year uh for anywhere from two to four or five years and so in order for live golf to have its 14 event actual league with with 48 players for uh 12 four-man teams they are convinced that they will get 48 players to sign the dotted line. That means 24 more players in mm-hmm. essentially the next six months or so. And that to me is the actual takeaway from the week. It's the silent simmering. Oh, this is going so well. We're doubling down and we're going to beat yeah. you next year. It's not just like we're beating you five years from now. We're, we're pushing all of our chips forward and uh, you won't believe who's going to join us next kind of discussion. I think that makes sense. I think that that extra year in timeline is that would be a lot. Um, and, and I guess I, I never I, uh, specifically answered your question, Sean, which is pretty typical. But you asked <laughs> what I learned and if I was surprised by anything. So I, I'll just run through a couple things. Um, I was surprised by just how well-prepared Bryson was to answer questions in his Mm -hmm. presser. He was like taking charge. He was like, yeah, I'll take that one. Um, 
<laughs> was very That's intentional so about, you know, calling it a business decision. He, he was excited to say that, you know, he was excited to have this money so that he could give back to the community that he grew up in, uh, that he could, you know, build a, uh, a center Careful. for kids. We might, um, we might keep those receipts, Bryson. <laughs> uh, yeah, give to, uh, give to the place where his father got treatment. I mean, he had, he had some proactive talking points prepared so that I thought that that was very interesting. Um, I thought that it was interesting that, um, if true, that's pretty commendable too, right? Like all the other players who have come forward have been saying, this is going to let me do less. <laughs> Brayson is right. saying, this is going to allow me to do more. That's definitely a different tenor. Yeah. And that gets to, I guess, my biggest takeaway, which is that this is all still, uh, Live currently is just, has a single-minded focus on player acquisition. So everything they're doing right now is yeah. is with player acquisition in mind. Like if they are, if this is Uber, they are, you know, lowering prices for customers <laughs> so that you're going to come over so that yellow taxi cabs seem antiquated, seem like a failure. And then eventually down the line, who knows exactly what's going to happen. At some point, the business is going to have to work more effectively than it does right now. But in the meantime, they just want, they just want you to download the app, man. Oh yeah. They just want, if you're on the PGA tour, they want you looking over and saying, wow, look at these guys. Look, they're having a good time at the pro-am party. They're hanging out till 1am. They're Pat Perez was all proud that he finally got a beer with Brooks Kepka. It's mm -hmm. all good. Uh, it's interesting that their talking points are so geared towards like guys not having to play much golf because again, that is, that doesn't sound like a great sell for me as a consumer, but if I'm a player, it seems like that that's, it's, it's just an audience of players. That's who they sure. have in mind. But when they're uh, talking about the good life. Do you want to, ex you want to explain why that's kind of bogus? It, it is bogus. Well, all right. So if you're Pat Perez, maybe it's not bogus because he has to play quite a bit to keep his PGA Tour card. Maybe he's he has not to that, play a little bit more often to, yeah, to crack those, you know, to, to get his couple like T6 finishes that he seems to log every year. He's going to play a little bit more. If you're Brooks Kepka, you really only play, what, 22 events a year, maybe? 20 to 22 events a year? Yeah. And if you're Brooks Kepka, you've always talked about how important the major championships are. Um, now, next year, you're locked into 14 live events. Locked in. Guaranteed. I mean, there's there are certain monetary penalties that hit, I think, if you miss significant time due to injury, etc. Um, so that's 14 events, four majors, and... I'm assuming that world ranking points are not going to get sorted out instantly. I don't no. know. Maybe they'll be sorted out by, you know, part of next year. But if he wants to keep playing in major championships for years to come, if he wants to keep his world ranking up, which I'm assuming he does, then you're talking about adding some Asian tour events. Uh, you're talking about trying to get either in PGA tour events, European tour events, like hoping that there's some sort of compromise. Long story short, yeah, you're still going to play those playing. 22 events. <laughs> exactly. You're playing 22 events. Maybe you're playing more. Uh, 
I mean, yeah, Patrick Reed has always prided himself on being a global player, on playing the European Tour and the PGA Tour and uh, and playing often. That has always been his decision. I respect that he now wants something different. Um, but it's the the freedom exists on the PGA Tour more so, I would say, than on this Live Tour. Yeah, based it's different off, different you know, kind of freedom. Choosing your schedule. Yeah, it's not it's not quite as simple as these guys are making it seem. No, and it's never been that simple and they want to call it free agency to golf, but again, as we pointed out, like this is so much different than any other free agency that you see in other sports, so to like miss me with that whole free agency comparison. Um to your point earlier about how you compared it to Uber or a startup or you're buying you're buying relevancy and essentially player acquisition you're trying to get attention that's why the expedited schedule the whole like next year we're starting this thing with 48 contracted players we're going to have a you know either it's a draft or players are going to agree to become teams together uh without a draft like that's why expediting that is truly to me the story coming out of the week because for all that the PGA tour has done in the last two weeks, announcing a new schedule, announcing elevated events, this influx of cash into a bunch of events, the new fall series that is essentially like a relegation series. Um, and the new FedEx cup, when does that actually start? It doesn't start until August of 2023, Mm. which will be at least eight events into the live 14 event schedule and so pushing that up is i think somewhat of a reaction to the pga tour and also just a hey remember all those good things you said about what jay monahan has done recently you're gonna wait another 13 months for that you're not gonna wait another 13 months for us to take the next big step for us it is um it is a bit of a a pr battle who's doing more for their players and you cannot tell me that the PGA Tour is winning that battle. Regardless of how it's being done, how it's being paid for, like we've said in the past, it's really hard for the PGA Tour, uh, you know, a cruise ship to turn around. And live is nimble, man. <laughs> they they can they, they are because they can on just, a dime. They can make it up on the fly. I think the draft is gone. Uh, they didn't have one this week. It doesn't sound like it's coming back. Um, wow. So that's incredible. That, is just, that suddenly changed. I mean. It's funny the other selling points. It's like no fans during practice rounds and and the pro am. They were loving that. Um, there's two pros in each pro am group and only two ams. I don't know if that's has to do with the demand from the am side or if you know again they're just uh, keeping things moving. But they definitely liked that. Um, yeah, I mean I think that that's all important stuff to know because these guys are then talking to their friends at home saying, "Hey, look, you're missing out." This is good stuff. Um, one interesting side note, uh, Taylor Gooch I talked to because I felt like we hadn't really heard from him and he never quite made sense. Well, I shouldn't say he didn't make sense. Clearly, he was interested in the money, but he stood out on that initial list of London players um, as a guy that was just hitting his stride on the PGA Tour. And what he told me is that he had signed up for the London event, but he was not sure yet if he was going to play any other events after this. And look, you can feel free to, to believe this or not believe it. Um, but what he said is he didn't think that the PGA tour is actually going to go through with its suspensions 
based on his schedule, he was excited about a tournament that was going to give him a bunch of cash and was going to end on the Saturday before the U.S. Open, give him an extra day to prepare and get to Boston. And then, you know, if it wasn't the consequences of his own actions, um, then he sure enough got suspended. He said he is is not aware of any road back to playing the PGA Tour. Now he has signed on with Liv. So, um, so that was just a little bit of insight into his thought process. Uh, like how much how how much money did he <laughs> did he make at Live? How much money did he need? Like, I don't know how much that one event gave him. But I mean, definitely, if you think that there, if if he thought there were going to be no consequences. It sounds like he essentially thought it was like going to play the Saudi International. And here we are. Mm. I'm telling you, I'm trying to find out what uh, Taylor Gooch made as a member of Torque GC. Mm. I see his player player profile on Live Golf lists his hometown as blank, his weight as blank, his height as zero feet, zero inches. <laughs> his country is USA. He's got that down, but I don't think his... like career live earnings are figured out no. quite yet yeah they're making it up as they go on uh it's yeah very there's a real freedom to, to that sean everyone everyone this is i guess one thing that i'll leave people with is that players travel with teams and they spend a lot of time around their caddy around their coach and around their agent when those people are happy it definitely makes them happier and happy that is wife happy that, life Exactly. And in this case, happy caddy, happy I don't, daddy. I don't and <laughs> I don't have a wife. Uh you do though. Does that does that adage apply? Oh, totally. Yeah, I mean it's like look, anyone that you're <laughs> spending a ton of time around, like Sean, when you and I travel together, if I'm happy, that's gonna make you happier and vice versa. And these guys are seeing their caddies delighted by getting, you know, free flights, free hotel rooms. The agents get invited to the parties. The coaches are happy to have free access to the range and all this stuff right now that they're able to do in part because they have endless money in part because they don't have fans during practice rounds in part because it's a limited field and in part because it's all new and everyone's getting paid. Like it's just a, it's a feel good thing right now for the guys there. That was my enduring impression. And, uh, I guess my counter impression was like, if at some point they're going to have to stop burning cash, which I think they will, then something is going to have to change. Probably TV sure. broadcast stuff. And yeah. uh, I just, I think there's I think, a long runway between now and then. Yeah, for sure. And I think, you know, I saw you tweet that out and um, the whole idea that like, you know, there is not like truly endless money. Um, I think, the only like refrain to come back from that is, is that it, I don't think they need endless money. Like, you know, if, if they're just trying to cross this like drawbridge that is like kind of like rocky and, and ragged and you're just trying like, I think the goal is just to get to the other side. Like it's not, and I think getting to the other side is not being this necessarily like take over the, the entire ecosystem. It's like, it's really just gain relevancy uh, to an extent that you can put a dent into the the, the status quo. Um, and All right. That's so not what does that take, mean then? Land that's not going to take here. <laughs> that's not going to take 
endless money is is my point like i I think that they've put in a a gigantic they've committed a gigantic investment to get enough Mm -hmm. momentum and that will only uh inspire them to probably invest more and they'll buy them more time and as we have already seen coming out this week like this is going to happen in fits and starts where it's going to be quiet for a couple weeks and then suddenly there's going to be litigation or the threat of litigation. And like this fall, it's going to be completely different than what we think right now. There could be lawsuits between Phil Mickelson and the PGA Tour. There could be lawsuits between Lee Westwood and the European Tour, the DP World Mm -hmm. Tour. And like that stuff, of course, is also going to cost money, but it's going to cause such a disruption that it's a success for Liv. Like the success is not necessarily... Getting to a point where, you know, profit outweighs the cost. Pure profitability, yeah. I think I think the success happens like various stages before then, and it's a bit subjective what that success actually is, and we probably don't even grasp it. I'm curious as things get normalized if we might see a weird thing where controversy starting to disappear will actually be a hindrance like if the controversy is actually a feature instead of a bug right now um and i mean there's some definitely some increasingly spicy stuff justin thomas was good on the no laying up podcast this week uh god there was just a great tabloid story floating around sergio going off on some uh dp world tour players saying you're all um i didn't see that there's yeah, I mean, you know, Bob McIntyre tweeted his disappointment. It, it wasn't it wasn't obvious that he was talking about Sergio, but that's certainly the connection that these I think the Telegraph was making. So, anyway, there's golf is crossing over into this Daily Mail uh British tabloid world more and more often these days, and mm. I guess that's probably a probably a victory for it Liv. Kinda, it kind of feels like the makings of the uh, the fight scene in Anchorman, where it's you know you've got like Jay Monahan versus Greg Norman, and suddenly they like look up to the right, and there's the Bob McIntyre European Tour squad, <laughs> and then you look behind you, and there's Sergio and Poulter, and then on the other side's Phil and Brooks, but then there's Rory, and Justin, like from all angles, this whole thing is. We've kind been of, talking about Game of Thrones. Maybe this is it. <laughs> maybe that's a better. I don't. More I never watched that show. Um, all right, Sean, could you tell us about? our good friends at Fairway Jockey. Yes, I can tell you about our friends at Fairway Jockey. Dylan, we talk about golf clubs not all the time on the podcast, but very often. What clubs I'm using, what you're using, what's working for me, oftentimes not working for me. But we are often asked by our friends like, hey, where's the best place to get custom golf clubs? Because, Sean, all you do is tell me that I need to get fitted for custom gear. So the answer is quite easy because the only place that offers the lowest prices on custom built clubs is Fairway Jockey and that is fairwayjockey.com. Folks, you need to do your homework. You need to go get fitted. No one beats Fairway Jockey's prices. You'll save up to 15%. And when you're talking about a pretty big ticket purchase like golf clubs, that's a lot of money that can add up to big savings. So build your custom set today at fairwayjockey.com. Love it, Sean. Good value from Fairway Jockey. And and while we're talking about good value, Sean, I do just want to mention Inside Golf. That is uh, just $20 a year. It's our exclusive value add. Um, Sean, what do you get with Inside Golf? It gets you exclusive deals with golfmagazinegolf.com partners like Skillist, 
if you want some, uh, if you want to improve your game, golf tech, if you want to improve your game, you get a magazine subscription. You get access to insiders only content, including uh, what's coming out from our, our expert course raiders, Sean. Yeah. Well, you know, golf magazine itself is coming out with a new top 100 ranking. It's the top 100 courses in Great Britain and Ireland, um, which <laughs> I can tell you, uh, pretty damn amazing golf courses over here. And we came up with the top 100 list. I don't know why we haven't done this earlier, but basically on Inside Golf, Josh Sens and Rand Morissette. Rand is the guy who runs the show for our top 100 lists. They're really diving into like what makes this list, what makes a good golf course, what makes a great Lynx course and a great Heathland course. So those videos will be coming out on Inside Golf. You need to subscribe and suddenly they'll be in your inbox. And also, you know, Dylan and I are going to be at the British Open. There's Inside Golf stuff excuse me, the open championship, the, there'll be inside golf stuff, you know, in your inbox from, from that every single day, I believe from, from here in St. Yeah. Andrews. I mean, so it, it's a no brainer. It's, it's 20 bucks a year. Sign up for it. Never worry about that part again. Just head to golf.com slash inside drop zone, golf.com slash inside drop zone. That's where you find your $20 a year deal. The last thing that we have to mention, again, just for the the viewers like, you know, maybe my dad who's not reading every article on golf.com is that Keith Pelly, the DP World Tour CEO, clapped back this week because 16 of the live golfers who are European Tour members have threatened to sue because of sanctions that Keith Pelly and that tour have sent down upon them. Uh, Keith Pelly said, in so many words, hell nah, <laughs> I'm not going <laughs> to, not going to rescind these sanctions. The sanctions were, um, basically suspended from the, the co-sanction events of the PGA tour and a 100,000 pound fine. Um, the reason that's a big deal and we, we discussed it slightly earlier is just, this is where it always was going to go. It was always going to end up in some sort of legal courtroom scenery, uh, some litigation between players and tours and members and other players and tours and other members. And I guess what has been fun in a sick way about this whole thing is that it's really been about players showing up and committing to these things and saying like, Hey, my reputation, uh, throw it in the air. Don't need it anymore. Or, Hey, all that money. I really want it. The future is like, Maybe people showing up in court to defend themselves and Sergio Garcia's statements being really important in a litigation sense and Keith Pelly like having to make a statement so that in a courtroom six months from now, what he said on Friday this week is really, really important. Um, that kind of stuff is going to get really boring really quickly from how chaotic, how chaotically like dynamic and fun maybe part of this has been that part's gonna suck paul casey has just joined live golf <laughs> breaking news uh, the uh european Ryder cup contingent is sort of complete at this point from that generation 40 uh, somethings uh, uh, well that's one, true all right one, i hear one you, big Stenson. chip to fall there and it's the actual captain and it's the current European Ryder Cup captain. That's a very good point. You know what? Get rid uh, of him. That would be interesting. You know what? If Stenson wants to go, get rid of him. Padraig, you have a chance to defend yourself from that butt whooping you took at Whistling Straits. You're the new captain once again. And you know what? 
You know who desperately deserves to be a captain in the States? Not Phil Mickelson. It's Freddie Couples. Get Freddie on a Ryder Cup captain seat finally, once and for all. He's done it on the President's Cup team. Bring Freddie back. He definitely, uh, he said what he said this week, Sean, and he, he kind of burnt the boats behind him. Uh, said he expects to maybe never see Phil Mickelson again in his life. Never well, talk you'll to see Phil. Him. You'll see him in April. I think that they're, they'll probably see each other at some point. Um, Sean, what have you been up to in Scotland? Uh, our, our young lad, James Colgan, visited me, golf.com staffer. Uh, he's 25 and a boatload of energy. And uh, we had a fun couple days together. We played North Berwick. We both shot the rounds of our lives there. That golf course is an absolute treat. Uh, it's basically a 90-minute commute from St. Andrews on a couple trains. We got it in the best best weather imaginable. I shot 78. He shot 82. It was definitely a, a, probably one of the best days. I like, I like seven of my putts lipped into the hole, so one of those magical <laughs> days. Um, the next day, we took the train in the opposite direction. We went up and played Cruden Bay with Rue McDonald. He uh, helps run social and manage like social for the – European tour, DP world tour, I keep saying European tour and their Ryder cup properties. Rue is an incredible host. He's got this house. He, he, he owns a house with his brother right off of the first tee. And like you go and play Cruden Bay, you should just stay at his place because it's really everything you need. And like when you go up there and play, it's the 18 hole course, but it also has like this epic putting course and a nine hole course, like running throughout the middle of it. So we got our fair share of golf this week. It looked spectacular. Saw a couple clips from out there. What you had the drone up and flying around. We flew the drone around North Berwick. Not sure if I was supposed to, but I pretty much stayed out over the coast. Uh, that was a blast. <laughs> and what was so great about these two different courses for anyone who's played them is like North Berwick is it's not completely flat. It's not as flat as, as the old course, but it's more flat um, than Cruden Bay by like a lot. Cruden Bay has the most ridiculous um, mounding and dunes and you have to walk up them and tee, tee off of them and hit into them. And it's like a pretty wicked test. The wind kind of whips around the dunes. And so it's a much more like confusing golf course. It's not as... Um, it's not as like directly in front of you. There's a couple blind shots like on the back nine that can be extremely rewarding and, and also maddening at the same time. But I really enjoyed the test that both of them uh, presented. And what was fun is like North Barracks, I, I think their most famous hole is the 13th hole. You have the rock wall that like kind of cuts across the fairway and runs like along the green and it's kind of a long skinny green. I had the kind of shot that everyone hates to have. It's like you're short-sighted behind the wall and you have to chip over the wall to this wall is like three feet tall, mind you, but you have to chip over it to like this, you know, tidy little yeah. pin placement and, um, pulled out the 60 degree, you know, tight lie flopped it right over, missed the putt, but made a very comfy <laughs> bogey and, uh, ha absolute blast. Honestly, that like, to what, uh, play, how those, is your, go ahead. Sorry. How is your game adapting? I mean, it sounds like you played some really good golf. You broke 80, yeah. which is no small feat. Um, yeah. Do you feel like you're a Lynx expert now? Do you feel like your game is adapting at all, or you just kind of caught a good day? No. Well, no, I'm, I'm definitely adapting. I, 
I pretty much don't, I use the 60 degree in America, like maybe more than any other club, right? Like a lot of Americans will do around the greens. And I pretty much use the 52 degree every, every, uh, like pitch and chip shot over here. Mm-hmm. Just put a, put a bunch of spin on it, clip it a little bit tighter. The, the, the lies are so tight that trying to like squeeze the bounce of your 60 degree beneath the, the ball. Mm. Um, it's just not, not a thing you can really do, but, um, I think I'm getting into it. I think, uh, I think I got to really dial in my swing path (laughs) or else like, I don't know if I'll have that many days like that. The putter is absolutely dialed though, Dylan. And could you want anything more? Let's be honest. I mean, making putts, whether they're for birdie, par, bogey, (laughs) puts a smile on your face. Yeah. Um, what else do you want to talk about, Sean? Well, very yeah, quickly, I'll, let's just like yeah. discuss the fact that I needed uh, to request uh, a caddy release form from you this upcoming week. Yeah, You're- let's talk about this. Yeah, because all right, I mean, look, it is here. We're doing a rare Saturday podcast. <laughs> it's July second. This is like when Halloween falls on like a Tuesday, and by the time you get to Halloween, you've already gone to your your Halloween parties. Mm. Here it's July Fourth holiday weekend. You've had a chance to like celebrate the fourth on the first, the second, the third. Going to my friend Tomas's house for a barbecue right after we hang up here. By the time we get to the fourth, by the time Sean, you are making your practice round caddying debut at the Scottish Open, <laughs> you'll be all American celebrationed out. So tell us why you're caddying in the Scottish Open and for whom. Yeah. So the way um, this all worked out is that our pal friend of the show friend of like every podcast in golf joel damon uh he joined the no laying up podcast like post game post round um pod show and he asked chris solomon if he would caddy for him in the scottish open and solly said i'm sorry i don't know maybe i'll have to look into it i'm supposed to go on vacation this week I heard and that. hawing a little bit, Sean. He didn't yeah. say no, but he didn't say yes either. Yeah. And so I heard that um, while playing golf. And I was like, you know what? I'm looking for ideas over here. I'm looking for Shoot fun your shot. over here. Screw it. And I had never texted with Joel. You know, we're friendly in DM um, world and <laughs> social media. So I DM'd him. I said, hey, man, look, if you're looking for someone to fly to Scotland, I'm already over here. Flights are crazy. All I got to do is jump on a train. I'll be down in Edinburgh in an instant. And he said, uh, hell yeah, text me. And so we, you know, I kind of figured I was low on the list. You know, if Gino decided to fly over or if Solly was like, screw it, he'll go on vacation some other time. I'll go pretty quickly. I was atop the list. And so Joel hit me with the really quick, like, what would you request uh, your caddy fee be for the week? And I was like, oh, shit. This is where I lose it. This is where I ask Getting for, real. for too little money or I ask for too much money. I overstate my value. You know, I'm 0 for 4 in local qualifying missed cuts and I'm 0 for 4 or made cuts and I'm 0 for 1 in PJ Tour made cuts. So like I've got I've got no winning caddy experience. If he wanted to <laughs> to work off of that, he would work with someone else. Um but yeah, we were able to to come to an agreement and What's funny is that I think through text messages, enough of it was just kind of left in the op- like left in the air. Like I wasn't sh- 
Like I was pretty sure I was locked in, but for like 10 days, I don't yeah. think I really was. Like I, right. I was text, I was texting friends like, Hey, I think I'm going to caddy in the Scottish. I told you, yeah. told some coworkers, told my dad. And then you don't like, want to jinx it right until the real thing. Yeah. And then like, I actually like, I actually told people that it was dead and done, like for sure locked in. And then like four days later, he texted me, okay, I'm finally like officially registering <laughs> you. So like, I actually had like blown my cover a little bit, but, um, Anyways, we're rocking and rolling. We're moving forward. We got a practice round figured out for, I believe, Monday afternoon slash evening because the sun never goes down here. Um, and yeah, it's going to be the the Joel and Sean show. Um, I think priority number one would be to make him look good. I would say priority number two would be to make sure that Gino doesn't look bad. You know, like I don't want, yeah. I don't want to go in there and like. Do you think winning would be poor form? on your part yeah <laughs> i mean a lot of people are asking <laughs> the question no um yeah look what are our expectations for the week i'm not sure how much links golf joel's played mm. i not sure how much links golf you've caddied i've caddied for exactly zero rounds of links golf yeah. um and so there that that's a thing i've been told that renaissance club is is not that difficult of a course to caddy for, you know, mm. it, it's not going to be probably the firmest club down in that. Yeah, is East it, a tr- is it uh, how linksy are we talking? Do we even know yet? You know, Dylan, I haven't watched I don't, that much Scottish open. Yeah. I don't know either. Um, I, I know that it's, it's a club that is kind of like bought its way into hosting that course, uh, that yeah. event. And so it's not the best, golf course in the area but it is a championship test and um we're gonna have to learn it inside and out which it's not easy it's about to be your favorite course in scotland sean once you once you lead joel into battle come away with a a nice paycheck for your man and look i'm excited to hear what comes out of it yeah having having gone to battle with me trying to qualify through locals yeah what would you say are my strengths and weaknesses as a caddy? Oh man, that's a really good question. Joel actually, Joel shot me a message just to say, Hey, how, you know, you know, Sean pretty well. Right. <laughs> and I was like, I mean, yeah, What's he like? talk to him all the time over video. Um, let's see. I would think that your, I think that your greatest strengths. Mm, mm are not obvious sounds like well it's just <laughs> <laughs> no i mean I, honestly i think that you're a very solid caddy I was, I was trying to think of one thing that stands out i think honestly it's like i like your approach in that you're uh it's not up to if i do something bad or dumb it's not it's not gonna affect your day you know mm. you are you're yeah. you're you're an emotional rock out there. Mm, and I definitely yeah. appreciate that. And it that's not to say you're not invested because I know you are. It's just to say like, all right, you can be the rational sound mind there. Sure. If, you know, I'm getting frustrated or whatever, you know, you'll stay steady. So I think that, um, I think that's definite strength. I don't honestly, no weaknesses, like jump off the, mm. I'll think of something. I'll tweet it out. <laughs> suggestions for joel um are you going to be doing specific content do you think as the week goes on yeah or this business trip 
Yeah, I mean, I, I think I intend to maybe write a little bit about how he learns to play Lakes Golf, right? Like, I think he's going to have a his first three practice rounds are going to be about really understanding that stuff. Not that he can't do it or that he has never done it before, but it, it's just a different type of thing. Um, so yeah. I think I'd, I'd watch him do that. It'll be interesting. You know, the JP McManus pro-am dudes, mm. they're over in Ireland. We got a little heads. We got a little advantage on those guys. They're going to be flying in late Tuesday yep. night. They'll have one pro-am practice round. They're not going to know the course nearly as well as we do. So we'll take that as an advantage. Um, and yeah, I don't know. Just good vibes. I think that is the other thing. Like Joel texted me and said, "Like, what are you missing from America that I could bring to you?" Wow. And I said, "I That's thought about great. it. For, I thought about it for ten minutes, and I said, I have no clue." And he said, <laughs> "Like Snickers or M and M's." I was like, "Honestly, sour Skittles." And so wow. I think he's gonna bring me some sour Skittles. I hope he connects you with it, some. It's so bogus. Should have said here. a hot like, dog. The Skittles are all like marshmallowy. And don't like that. F- don't even f- know what that means. Really but don't fake. like it. Yeah, no, it's it's a worse version. Um, I'm really, really testing out all the sour candy over here and uh, having a good time doing that. Whamtastics. Make sure when you're here that you remind me to get us some Whamtastics. All right. Sean, I can't wait. I'm delighted for you and Joel for this opportunity for you. I'm excited to then see you uh, at the conclusion of the Scottish Open in time for the British Open. And, um, yeah, I think that's a great place to leave it. Happy, happy 4th of July to you, sir. Yes. Same to you. Say hi to Tomas. Say hi to Emily and Portia and the whole gang over and out. Sure will. This has been the drop zone. We'll see you next week.